Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Dear Writer. Today, we are recording episode number 80. Getting quiet. You know, it's been, what, a couple years, really, since we started this, and we're at episode 80. (laughs) It feels like just yesterday we were sitting down. (laughs) Sorry. Welcome back, everyone. And... Today we are going to be talking about the art of emotion, which I'm very excited about. Should be quite interesting. I think this is like one of the things to do with character, which I find really fascinating. It's probably partly why I love characters so much. (laughs) Just the emotion and the drama. Yes, (laughs) definitely. But before we get into that, we will do our quick writing update. So... How has the month been for you, Ashley? Um, I've been quite busy not working on our book, but critiquing and editing and dealing with the anthology that our writing group has been working on. So that's been good. The cool thing has been seeing the variety of stories and poetry that have come through, even though it's a very themed. So I've, I've quite enjoyed that. Some need some work. Yeah, we'll just put it that way. <laughs> others, are, others are fairly polished, so it's a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah, I totally get that. What about you? I'm still pushing through with the Simon chapter. <laughs> um, I have written a little bit more, and I'm probably about a third of the way through it. Uh, but, you know, like the other chapters from his viewpoint, this one is proving tough. So it's not really a surprise. (laughs) What I find amusing is it seems like our writing critique group quite likes the Simon chapters and it confuses me because I'm like, they're the really hard ones to write. Mm. So it's a bit, you know, it's a bit strange because you would think that usually I find when chapters are really hard for me to write, like I don't like them as much and I always feel like people can tell, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, I do think, you know, we're still struggling a little bit with consistency and I think they have kind of noticed that and I think like they find it a little bit tricky to connect with him sometimes but I think they still enjoy the chapters so there's work to be done but I think you know they're not terrible they just they take a long time we were aware of the consistency issues though yes already I already knew that right from the start (laughs) I was like my goodness this one's you know, you read one chapter that you've written and then one chapter I've written and it's like, we're on like two, we're not exactly on two different wavelengths, but it's just Just occasionally some of his thoughts are a bit inconsistent. And it's hard also to tell like which one is the right one. Like we could both be wrong. Yeah. Or you start writing like the one that I'm doing now, something's cropped up in it. That's a little bit earlier than what I expected that feeling for him to crop up and so it'll be interesting to see what Ashley thinks of it because we weren't really supposed to face that point until a little bit further down the road I'm kind of just trying to like go lightly on it but right it's cropped up and I don't think unless we change the course of events of the last chapter that Ashley wrote that she wasn't super pleased about the ending <laughs> of. Oh, right. That's the one where I like was going to end it. And then was like, oh, but there's like a whole 
thing that has to be tacked on the end and then I just tacked it on and was like oh we might need to I don't know I feel like it's turning into it. a bit of a keystone event in the way that it's <laughs> moving forward from that like it's kind of changed his viewpoint at least that's kind of how I'm interpreting it when I'm writing that was the intention well I guess then it's doing the right thing but it's yeah but it wasn't supposed it's to be I causing guess. him to question like things yeah a lot deeper than what I had originally anticipated. I didn't expect him to start questioning his actions or anything until a little bit later in the storyline, <laughs> just a few chapters more. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll see sort of how that all works out. It's going to be interesting doing the edits. I'm stuck in my Leontiades chapter as well, mostly because he's in a, in a bit of a predicament and I've like wrote myself, written him into the predicament. And now I'm like, oh no. Oh no. How do I write him out of it now? So challenging. Yeah. So I keep trying different ways to, you know, get him out, but it hasn't been working. So I'm still stuck at like the 2000 word mark. I'm thinking of just doing like a jump and leaving it, right? Then rest and then like work out later how to fill like that transition, just because it seems to be a bit of a pain. Yep. <laughs> totally understand that we like one of those times we open it you read the chapter and you're like all right uh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah Do something else and you know the other thing that I'm finding is you know finding time as per usual so for those of you who don't know we are actually recording this episode still quite early <laughs> when it comes out then I'll I'm not sure when this one comes out but probably have a baby at that point. And so we're trying to get a few recorded ahead of time. So it may seem like we're making zero progress, but we're we are making slow progress. <laughs> yes. It's been a short time between the last episode. And yes, I am going into hospital soon. And I plan to use my time in hospital a little bit like a writing retreat. So very interesting writing retreat. <laughs> I know. Hopefully that works for you. <laughs> I think it'll be great, actually. But you don't have anything else to do. Exactly. So I'm trying to prioritize other stuff at the moment. So that's kind of the plan. Anyways, we should carry on with the main part of the discussion, which yes. is on the art of emotion, as I said earlier. This one actually took me a little bit of time to kind of work out the direction and questions because I started off on one track and then got distracted and then like went off on another track and then I realized that there's probably two sort of branches to this conversation given the art of emotion is quite broad yeah so I thought we could break our conversation into two so the first one is sort of the art of showing um, the emotions of your characters in your story so how you can portray how your characters are feeling when you're writing and then second would be the art of bringing emotion out of your readers when they're reading it which I think they're related but kind of different at the same time yes yeah so I thought we'd start with talking about how we reveal the emotions of our characters first and then we'd move on to how we can evoke an emotional response from our readers next so for the first question I thought we could talk about some techniques that we use to identify the emotions your characters are feeling because sometimes it can be hard to pinpoint you know exactly what's going on in your character's mind even though you've 
you know, you're controlling it, basically, if that makes any sense. It definitely does. Do you want to go first, Sarah? Sure. So I kind of thought as cheesy as it sounds, you do have to put yourself into your character's shoes. And firstly, I consider backstory. Like if this and this and this had happened to me, how might I react? But then you can't solely base it off that either because your character may have different personality traits. So I then examine the situation and think about possible ways that people might react in that situation. So if you kind of think of like a decision tree, like, you know, some people might react this way, some, you know, A, B, C, D. (laughs) And then once you've got sort of a few ways down, then I choose the one that I feel my character is most likely to identify with given their history and their personality. I do remember we had quite an interesting contrast occur when we were writing Darkness Set Us Free, the draft, which still needs to be edited, but you know, that's in the future. (laughs) Something that happened to two of our characters and they reacted in really different ways. So one of them who had been let's just say traumatized by a similar situation was a complete mess initially. And she was very emotional about the situation, but then she was also a very emotional character to begin with and her history had kind of made her that way. But the other character I initially thought would be quite angry because most people would be in the given situation. He has anger. Anger rises in him sometimes. Well, he was sort of angry, but whenever I tried writing him like that, it didn't fit. And he was actually pretty understanding of the situation and a lot more (laughs) level-headed. So, you know, you can have two very different, and they, I, you know, I should mention they were going through a very similar circumstance because the same situation was affecting them both. But... the ways they reacted to it was very different so that's kind of how I see you know identifying emotions you know if you use their backstory and their personality and kind of work out the general pathways of what options people have and before them when they're responding to something then that's gonna sort of give you a guideline on where your character could go and you know which one might feel most true for that character so how about you Ashley I feel very similarly you know very important to take into account the personality traits and the backstory of your character and I think that usually gives you a good starting point to go from for me I usually if I, so, you know, sometimes it's obvious how a character is going to react, but other times it can be a bit unclear. Um, and in those situations, I tend to actually write out the kind of like the different reactions that they have. I find that helps me pinpoint more how, like, what feels more natural for the character with reading it back. So, you know, at first I might think they're angry and I'll write that. And often you can tell when you start writing it that something feels a bit off or something's wrong. So then I'll, often try and rewrite it again you know tweaking it a bit or maybe changing uh, their reaction just to try and land on the right feel and emotion for that character in that particular situation yeah 
yeah and I guess a good thing to remember kind of like you said before is that it's really important to remember that just because you might feel a certain way in that situation your character might not necessarily feel the same way because well they're different to you usually unless you know you've based it on on yourself even then they tend to slowly take on their own personality I think even if you do base it on yourself so being aware of that and being aware of the differences as you go further in your book and as your character gains different experiences to you is important as well definitely so when I was looking up some of the techniques to help identify different emotions and reactions from characters they suggested keeping a journal in order to do that We've briefly talked about journals before, but I just wondered, like, in the specific context, have we ever tried keeping a journal to help us identify emotions and draw inspiration for the emotions of our characters? Yeah, well, (laughs) I have journaled, but I've said at one point that I stopped writing the emotional stuff because I hate to read it. (laughs) Honestly, I have a really great memory for remembering emotions and the way certain things made me feel. So if I need to feel an emotion, I'll run through my memories and find something that brought out a similar emotion within myself. And then the task is to try and portray that accurately onto the page. And I think for me, journaling wouldn't be very helpful as even though I might write something in a particular state of mind, the writing itself may not accurately portray the emotion of how I'm feeling if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or I guess what I'm trying to say to be a bit more accurate is rereading the stuff that you wrote previously might bring up different emotions as you revisit it. So for example, if I wrote something in a state of anger, later I might think it sounds quite petty. <laughs> <laughs> and that feeling of exasperation and annoyance with myself that arises when I read over something that I now view as kind of petty and unimportant gets in the way of the emotion that I actually want to bring to the surface. So it really depends on who you are as to how much journaling might help you. I do feel that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) Well, I don't journal at all and haven't really ever. So I can't really comment on it, though I can see that for some people it might be helpful more for like if I know some people do it more like train of thought sort of stuff, like from specific events so I feel like that could be helpful because you could kind of take similar trains of thought that you've had in a particular situation and then apply that to your character if that's how you journal so I can I can see some benefit but it wouldn't be for me I'm very if I did journal be very like I did this I did this I did this yeah <laughs> so so maybe not for us but maybe it works really well for other people I'd be interested to hear if anyone has some experience with using journals for that purpose yeah so I thought we could move on to talking about some of the writing techniques that you can use to reveal emotion in your character so I said just before that I like to think of a memory that brings up a similar emotion but you know it is more than that because you have to translate it onto the page So some of the techniques I try to use is that once I have that memory and I can visualize myself acting out that memory, I try to see like the little things that I did that shows the emotion. So say I'm in the middle of a confrontation with someone. 
you know, I might have been nervous and fearful because I'm not generally a person who likes confrontation, although I feel like most people probably don't. But I'm like, okay, I can see myself tucking my hair behind my ears. Um, My voice becomes snappier and shorter and defensive. And I've crossed my arms, stare at the person directly in the eye. And then when the confrontation is over, you know, I feel or I remember feeling a bit shaky and relieved. And so this kind of breakdown of a memory, especially when you view yourself from like a third person's perspective, I find really helpful. And then if I'm struggling with a new and interesting way to describe something, because, you know, generally when, if you are using a memory, you tend to react in a similar way, like in not everyone always reacts in exactly the same way. So a tool that I do use is the Emotion Thesaurus by Becca Puglisi and Angela Ackerman, which we've mentioned before on one of our Talking Shop episodes. And it's pure gold because you're just not going to get that variety of different responses to the same emotion if you only use your memories, I feel. Have you been able to use that? emotion thesaurus a bit more because I think when we covered it on the podcast you'd only just got it I've used it from time to time yeah usually it's when I'm struggling so yeah if I'm kind of like oh you know I notice that I've written something similar for example I think I gave this exact example actually (laughs) on the podcast but the feeling of anxiety is one that I constantly struggle to portray because I always want to speak about stomach churning and in that kind of region when anxiety is not just limited to like that feeling in your stomach. It's yeah wider than that. <laughs> so I use it to try and like just remind myself of the different ways that emotion can show. Yeah. So what are some techniques that you use? For me... I, I kind of feel about this as when I'm writing, like how do I try and portray emotion through my characters, you know, above just saying like he was angry, <laughs> which is obviously a little bit, bl- a bit bland and not exactly what you're going for, but to telling, not showing. So for me, I probably use two techniques the most and then combine them together. So the first is body language. I really try to use body language to show what's going on rather than you know being like he he cried or whatever Um, and then also internal dialogue and then mixing those two together um, usually with in a conversation or something because usually there is some sort of conflict between people that has caused this emotion to come to the surface it's a bit harder though when it's you know, when they're by themselves and isolated, it's probably the most difficult mm. time to try and get emotion across because you don't want to be like, I'm really sad because of this thing. You're like, a, and you can't really use, there's nothing really to play off and you don't want to use too much internal dialogue because then it kind of sounds a bit monologue and I don't really like it, to be honest. So it's always a bit of a challenge. I I find that difficult and I don't like it when it's just sort of like stream of consciousness about how they're feeling. So it's always a bit of a challenge um, with that. But usually I try and get them to do something and then try and bring emo- you know, bring 
body language and stuff into whatever it is they're attempting to do and usually failing it. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying to light the candle and then they can't or the fire or something. And they're like too frustrated or upset yeah. or something. And yeah. The grace and the pot of rice comes to mind for some reason. Even the first people around in that one. She like <laughs> drop whatever she drops it. Just one of those things where you get them to do something and then it helps to yeah I remember we did something similar in the darkness set us free book as well um where she gets like frustrated and then she like puts too much salt or something on (laughs) the dish and she's like great now I've ruined this as well (laughs) yeah great anyways so you can do things like that yeah which can be helpful interact with the environment yeah rather than just standing there being sad or angry or happy or whatever whatever they're feeling yeah so that kind of brings us to the end of the specific how we show emotion in our characters like sort of from a writing perspective and I thought we could move on to talking about your readers so generally readers seek out fiction because they want to be transported into some another fictional world and usually it's because these worlds um, evoke some sort of intense emotion whether it's positive emotions like happiness or love or more deep visceral emotions like grief and fear and anger things like that and authors really do strive to bring out emotional reactions in their readers we want to make them have some sort of response like laugh or cry in response to something your character has done or how they're feeling and I remember when one of my rangers told me that one of the chapters made her cry I was like this is the greatest thing anyone has ever said to me (laughs) (laughs) so I thought we could talk about why it's important to try and get an emotional response from your reader so if your readers aren't experiencing emotion as they read your book with the exception of nonfiction, obviously, the readers aren't engaged and they don't really care about what is happening. So most readers, if it doesn't stimulate them to an emotional response in some of some kind, they'll ultimately stop reading. The, they want to experience the highs and the lows because reading is one of the ways we can experience such a broad range of emotions safely. And A good book can do this and take them out of their own experience. So I think that's why it's important because if the readers aren't getting that, then they're just not going to read your book. It's basically it. And you want them to come back and read more of your work as well. Yeah. You want to hook them and be like, hey, you know, that those characters, I really felt a strong connection with them. Oh, look, they've got a new book. I really want to read that as well. So yeah, another thing about that. Right. So I think we kind of touched on this in the previous question, but I thought we could talk about it a bit more. So what is the importance of readers identifying with the protagonist in some way to bring up an emotional response? So I think that can be fairly critical (laughs) to your book, depending, you don't have to like them straight away, right? But you kind of want some sort of connection or something that they can see and empathize with so so yeah what do you think is the importance of readers identifying with the protagonist well I think that when people read your book they need someone to help them navigate through it 
you know, without navigation, which is usually offered by the viewpoint of the protagonist, the world in your book would be quite confusing. And that confusion creates distance between the reader and the characters. So by choosing a protagonist the reader identifies with, it gives them an anchor but that anchor is only going to be as strong as the strength of the relationship between your protagonist and the reader. So you need the protagonist to be easily identifiable to a lot of people and usually have at least one redeeming feature that resonates with your readers in order to bring the readers closer to the character. And as the reader follows the protagonist and the protagonist goes through, you know, the series of hurdles, sort of both physically and emotionally if the character is showing real emotion and undergoing change the bond between the reader and the protagonist deepens and even though the reader might at times have different levels of knowledge than your character you know they might know a bit more about the overall plot that knowledge should never weaken the bond between the reader and the protagonist instead It should bring up other emotions in the reader, for example, dread if they see something that's about to go wrong, or sympathy if they see the characters hurting but then recognize that there's a wider lesson the character has to learn. So the emotions don't always have to be exactly the same, but they should be emotions that your reader is uh, rooting for your character, generally speaking. Yeah, you don't want, I guess... I think you don't really want readers to hate your protagonist. That was that would not be the ideal situation. You could probably have them, you know, dis- disagree or mm-hmm. get frustrated sometimes, but you do want them to there to be something there that keeps, you know, that they can see like, hey, you know, he's a decent person or he, you know, I do that sometimes. Like I can identify. Yeah. Oh, he's a little bit misguided, but, you know, I can see that he's got, you know. Yeah. A good heart underneath that. <laughs> like it's okay yes. that they they don't necessarily completely identify with the protagonist, but they should still be able to see like some goodness there, <laughs> or like yeah. something that makes them feel like they have a connection. Yes, yes. Like I'm just thinking about like a book that I read recently, which I'm sure will come up in our talking shop episode, but. When I started reading it, I was like, this, well, the, the author like drew you in with someone who f- seemed fairly nor- normal on the surface. And then as the story progressed, it was kind of strange because I was like, she's ac- actually crazy. <laughs> this woman <laughs> is crazy. But then as it went on, like, you know, I was kind of, you know, drawn in by that point. And then as it went on, yeah, you could see that her heart was in the right place. And for all her craziness, she did she just needed a bit of um a bit of time to to change and broaden her perspective (laughs) (laughs) so it was quite an amusing read i'll talk about that more um on the next talking shop or could be a previous talking shop actually come to think about it (laughs) since we're recording this ahead of time maybe you'll be able to recognize which story i'm (laughs) talking about (laughs) anyways so what do you think, Ashley? Uh, I think when, generally speaking, I think it's really important 
Well, yes. In an ideal situation, if readers can identify with your protagonist, they then can inherently identify with the emotions that the protagonist is feeling, which is the goal, you know, trying to evoke some sort of emotional response. And the more they can identify with your protagonist, I think the stronger emotional connection they can build with your character. So they actually care about what happens to them. So, you know, if your character gets, you know, is hurt, the reader, you know, can feel that. Same if the character has some sort of victory, the the reader can also feel that. So I guess that's like the overall goal of why you would try and have your reader identify with the protagonist, like generally speaking. So obviously other techniques that you can use, but I guess I at least have a character that's important that they can identify with. Yes. Yeah. I think that's one of the benefits of having our multiple perspectives because there's multiple main characters. So there's generally at least one or two characters that the readers can identify and see themselves in. Yeah, I agree. I was kind of thinking about that as I was writing it as well. Which is yeah, a benefit of multi-perspective books, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, So moving along, what are some of the writing techniques that you can use to evoke emotion in your reader? So I know Ashley is going to talk about this, but I 100% agree that word choice is really important. Definitely. (laughs) I know some people who are like, oh, I, I want something interesting or a different way to describe this. So then they'll go to a thesaurus, but I don't. 100% believe in that kind of way of coming up with a word so you can't just choose any word out of the thesaurus to describe something because even though words might be similar they never convey the exact same meaning or carry the exact same tone so if I'm struggling and I can't remember a word oh that's when I'll use it and I'll you know often have like an alternate word that I'm like well that's not quite right but you know, let's see if we can get closer. And that's where the thesaurus comes into play because, you know, you look up this word that's not quite right and hope that you chance upon the word <laughs> that you're, you're actually meaning, if that makes sense. I know exactly what you mean because I have <laughs> a similar relationship with thesauruses as well. I will often, I go, it sounds really dumb, I go to a thesaurus and I actually can't think of a time I've ever used a word from the thesaurus if that makes any sense like I'll go there and I usually go for inspiration that it's kind of weird I kind of know what you mean I'll look through and I'm like none of those words are right but I kind of like the idea of this one because it's like kind of dark and I'm like maybe I'll like use the connotation of that but in a different way because I don't I don't actually like the word <laughs> and I'll kind of like go at it from a different angle but I, I don't think I cannot think of a time I've actually you know, gone like I need another word for run and like looked in the thesaurus and gone like, ah, yes, galloped. I don't know what. (laughs) Um, I I do use the words, but only when I chance upon the one that it's actually supposed to be. That you were looking for. (laughs) I'll often be like, yeah, like this is just, this isn't fitting. And then I'll like look up it. And then I might not find on that first go if I use this, you know, word that doesn't quite fit. I might not find the right word, but I'll be like, oh, well, that one's still not quite the same. But maybe if I look up this one instead. So then I'll go on like this <laughs> word trail, like hunt of like looking words in the thesaurus until I find the exact one. And I'm like, that's it. <laughs> it's like this entire chain. 
Listeners, be wary of this thesaurus is the um, (laughs) the moral yes anyways um another technique that i use is description of the setting so i love the fact that before your character even starts doing anything you can convey a mood and a general emotion through vivid imagery so you're using colors symbolism and motifs and drawing the reader's attention to specific objects as well can these can all evoke emotion in the reader so you know you don't doesn't have to all be about character when you're trying to evoke emotion in the reader how about you ashley well we talked about the specific word choice i thought i might also just add a little bit to that because yes a lot of description words as we talked about are very specific the one you're looking for to exactly (laughs) convey what you want to say but also I think even word choices in dialogue like whether you're like if your character never swears then you make them swear like that one time or you know things like that where you you know really choose words that your characters say as well or even like usually you know if your character's quite nice and they say something purposely really nasty or or vice versa I think things like that can really help um, punctuate what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. The other technique that I was going to mention is a technique that I use quite a bit, and that is pacing. It might sound a bit weird. And both with respects to having, you know, action followed by slower moments to kind of process, but also, and probably more specifically, the pace that's created by like varying sentence stru- uh, length and structure. So, you know, you've got longer sentences and then punctuated with really short ones um, or even one word sentences things like that I do that quite a bit when it's an emotional scene and also you know really thinking about paragraphing choice as well to help mm-hmm. with the pace so you know instead of having a massive wall of text you know if they're quite emotional you can have it a bit more like shorter paragraphs shorter you know one word sentences followed by a couple longer ones and then a short one you know that kind of thing just to try and sort of convey sounds weird like the the speed of how their mind is working it sounds really strange I can't quite articulate what I'm trying to say but you know what I mean yes or you're saying that you know if you alter your sentence structure and and your if you have different length sentences dispersed throughout your text and if you have different like shorter paragraphs or longer paragraphs sometimes it can show the character's thoughts through like fragmented uh yeah through like fragmented sentences and stuff if they're thinking really fast about something it's kind of like a flight of thought kind of thing going yeah. on yeah yeah where they jump from like one thing to the next thing to the next thing like you know you still have to be careful because you want it to yeah, kind of makes, flow but makes sense <laughs> you know you can if you if you're really strategic you can craft your sentences that way so that when it reads it feels like everything's happening and the characters head really fast and I was also going to add to that that pacing within paragraphs as well can yeah like rather than thinking of it of just action or just dialogue like interspersing like thoughts and things throughout paragraphs to convey emotion even if you're having like a action scene yeah can have an impact on the emotion of the scene definitely definitely can even heighten tension even though you're adding like emotion and description I often 
find myself I'll write the action scene and then I'll go back and kind of like tease it out with you know the thoughts and emotiony stuff in there <laughs> just yeah. to make it I guess flow better but also you do want like the scene to trigger something you don't just usually you don't just want it to be just like ah action sometimes yeah. you do but often I, I like to color it a bit more I'll just quickly add one more thing yeah, I think it's really sure. important to review what you have written and then cut out the waffly stuff because I think it's really easy and I'm a victim of this too to get a little bit caught up in some of the emotion and sometimes less is more when it comes to especially when you're putting in um, internal thoughts and things like sometimes they don't need to ramble for the whole paragraph you can leave some of it up to you know your reader to interpret so sometimes might be worth cutting back a little bit yeah so yeah that's another thing I'd mentioned yeah anyways that brings us to the last sort of question so what are some common mistakes to avoid when trying to write emotion or get emotional responses from your readers ironically I'm going to talk about the exact opposite of what Ashley last just said <laughs> so not having enough emotion sometimes we get so tied up in trying to show not tell that we end up cutting out all internal thoughts and feelings <laughs> so you don't want to state it directly, but you need to remember that your reader needs to connect to the character's emotions. And I always feel that showing is a bit of a misnomer in the show not tell, because I think it makes you believe that everything has to be visually portrayed. And so ironically, you can end up doing the opposite and telling <laughs> the reader what happened, like this happened, then that happened, then that happened kind of like Ashley was saying before about how she usually writes an action scene and then goes back and fills it in. Yeah, so in actual fact, real showing involves using the techniques that we've talked about to engage the reader and create emotion, not just showing the reader visually what happened. So that's really important when you're trying good, to understand. Yeah. Show, not tell. I think it's a good balance to have like you need some telling. You don't want it to be like all telling, but I think there's, you know, a good balance between the two to be had in scenes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I What I'm trying to sort of get across though is that it's not so much like, because when you're taught the show not tell, you're kind of taught, you know, don't be like I was angry because that's telling someone I was angry. And, and, you know, so then you're taught ways to be like, oh, I ground my knuckles or something, or like, <laughs> this is a really bad example, but you get what I'm saying. Like you, you get start to focus on the really physical things and then you forget that actually you can show through internal thoughts and stuff. Just, you need like a balance between that. And yeah, cause I feel like if you, if you just do like the visual by itself, it comes across quite bland and you're not actually connecting with the characters, if that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. because you're not like connecting with the characters and it's just like literally like an observe, observer's kind of role when you're doing it that way, that sometimes it can end up being telling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really strange concept to get your head around, but... <laughs> 
which is abstract. why I feel like it's a bit of a misnomer to say showing because yeah it's not necessarily just spewing out what you visually see anyways um now that I've tried to explain that badly <laughs> well that's how I felt trying to explain pacing I was like this isn't coming across right but whatever it's fine did you have any other mistakes well I was gonna give just an example so I talked before about an action scene I edited where it felt really flat and robotic and you know I mentioned this before I felt really confused because I was like what but you know I haven't said you know this is how they feel or like this is I haven't I've been showing so why is a scene so like <laughs> terrible I, I don't understand I've been showing <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out I was not showing and even fast-paced action scenes need some emotions inserted into them and so I ended up showing how the character was feeling about his actions by using comparisons like I had the character imagine what he looked like and what the other characters were thinking about him and I also inserted more detailed and specific description which had the effect of blurring out the surroundings and focusing on this one thing that the character felt terrified about so if you use you know a combination of setting and the character's internal thoughts like that kind of stuff you can get across better often mm -hmm. and heighten emotion and fear because you know like using the description I find is a really good way and I've actually noticed that Stephen King does this a lot where it'll be like one little thing and it might not even be an important detail but the way like the description kind of hones in on like this tiny little detail kind of blurs out the rest of it and then that feeling of being blinded to the rest of what's going on in the scene can kind of like intensify the emotion. So I feel like that's a good way. It makes sense. How about you, Ashley? Um, my main one was using cliches to describe emotion too much. You know, things like my heart fluttered, I saw red, stuff like that, which can be overused. And sometimes they can work in a, in a situation, but I prefer not too because you know you should be able to find other ways other ways to say these sorts of things that would be that would be my main one yeah I definitely agree so we should probably move on to mistakes of the month yes yes did you have any Sarah no <laughs> it's okay. I can't wait until we get editing again and I like I start finding all these little There's gems gonna be so many um, <laughs> I actually cheated and last time I had so many that I put half into this episode <laughs> I was like wow this is not a good month for Ashley's mistakes <laughs> so it had to be spread into two months worth but it's fine so the first one it's like average but it came from one of the blog posts um, and luckily I caught it before I posted it so as the month neared to the end I had uh, I still hadn't even started my next chapter and that began to weigh on my I'm not sure if it's wind or wind I'm going with wind <laughs> I think um even though it's supposed to be mind I like the thought of it being like heavy on the breeze <laughs> <laughs> yes and my other <laughs> I always seem to get these like hilarious autocorrect mistakes like lemonade from last time for Leontiades which is still so good so this is another one of those 
Um, what do you want? Leontiades asked, forcing himself to sound auto-reactive um, <laughs> instead of authoritative. Auto-reactive. It kind of yeah. works. It's just funny. It does work, but yeah. Very what do you want? Quite... <laughs> but like forcing himself to sound like that. Like it's I, don't premeditated. I don't know how you can be like force yourself to be like auto something. I don't know. But so. contradictory, but it's quite funny. So those are my two for this month quite amusing all right well we should probably round this episode up yes so if you would like to be on our author spotlight section then you can go to our website lindersoncreations.com hover your mouse over the podcast tab in the main menu and it'll give you a drop down where you can be featured on dear writer um and next time on dear writer it's another one of our culturing creativity episodes where we talk about some of the techniques that we use to be more creative. Um, and if you'd like to know more about us or any of our writing projects, you can visit us on lindersoncreations.com or you can get in contact with us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Lindison Creations. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Tell your friends about us and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone.